Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm glad you're listening in today. If this is your first time listening, I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. We're kicking off a new series this week called Not My God. There are lots of cultural ideas that we morph into things we believe that God says or wants for us. We get ourselves in trouble when those things conflict with what God actually does desire. This week, we're looking at the saying, God wants me to be happy. And while that is true, there are things that God wants way more for us. Let's start the series off with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. First service, I got Colton. He's five years old. And second service, I got Kate. She's three. These are cool. If you have the opportunity just to pray for one of our kids today, that's cool. If you decide you want to pray for them all week long, that's even cooler. Maybe for a month, keep that kid and their family in their prayers. And we're going to probably do it again next year. So if you really want to do this thing on steroids, pray for your kid for a year. For that child and their life with God and, and just their interactions with the people around them, for their families. It's one of the things that a church family can do for each other. It's pretty cool, isn't it? There's still a few more cards. If you didn't pick one up, just go to one of the worship stations after the service and find one. And we'll pick up the rest of them and we'll assign them to some people to pray for our kids. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we're honored to be in your presence. It's only by your invite and by your grace that we're here. And now that we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Jesus, our precious Savior, we pray. Amen. Okay, maybe you don't do this, but maybe you do. You're laying awake at night, sleep won't come. So if you happen to be kind of weird like us, you kind of start surfing the TV set. And there you find it on TV, the thing that's finally going to make your life better, right? It's a Snuggie. It is the only blanket with sleeves. How cool is that? Or all of a sudden you see the infomercial for that Bowflex machines. I mean, look at that girl. She lost 50 pounds. Maybe it'll work for me too, and my life will finally be better. Or there's the Showtime rotisserie. If I had that, I could set it and forget it, Right? For only five easy payments of $19.99, and it's not available in stores. And if I act now, they're going to double the offer. Serious. That's incredible. Holy cow, there's more. It's amazing what's out there that can make you happy. Now, you got to be honest. How many of you guys are suckers? Okay? Raise your hand. Make the people around you feel good. If you've ever bought anything off an infomercial, raise your hand. Okay? Half of the rest of you guys are liars. My, my hand is up. I'm, excuse me. How many of you guys are repeat offenders? I, I'm a sucker. I really am. I love gadgetry. I love the thing that's going to finally make my life right. I found a list of the 10 most successful infomercials. The numbers for these infomercials are absolutely mind-blowing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk through the 10, and you don't have to raise your hand, but keep track on your hand. How many of these have come into your home? Maybe you're not the one to buy them. Maybe it's your husband or your wife or one of your kids or something like that. But how many of these things have come into your home? Okay? Got to keep track. Top seller of all time, proactive. Get your best skin ever with proactive. You guys got it? Okay? Have you ever had proactive in your home? $1 billion a year in sales. Right? 
Number two, P90X, let Tony Horton sculpt your beach body. That's where I got mine, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I lasted on it about two weeks. Number three, Total Gym. Come on, guys, it's Chuck Norris. This is Chuck Norris. One time Chuck Norris and Superman went a couple of rounds. The loser had to wear his underpants on the outside, right? Chuck Norris, Total Gym, pushes Total Gym $1 billion in sales. Are you keeping track? Okay. George Foreman Grill, number four. Get healthier meals in minutes. Any of you guys ever using a George Foreman Grill? Still use it? Bowflex, guaranteed results in only six weeks, right? I haven't tried that yet, okay? How about this one? The Ronco Showtime Rotisserie. You can just set it and forget it. $1.2 billion in sales. Now, some of you guys are going to have a hard time admitting this one. How about the Ped Egg? You know what the pet egg is? It's going to give your feet that incredibly baby soft look that everybody loves, right? $10 a pop, $450 million in sales. Incredible. And then my favorite, the Snuggie, the blanket with sleeves. I don't have one yet, but I'm still tempted, right? It's so cool. And then for you old guys, how many of you guys remember sweating to the oldies? <laughs> Any of you guys ever sweat to the oldies? Richard Simmons, how can you forget him, right? And finally, the thigh master, Suzanne Summers, at one time one of the hottest chicks on TV. Total sales, $100 million, right? Because fuss up, we're looking for that thing to make our life better, easier, happier, right? How many of you guys have bought five or more? Go ahead and raise your hands if you're willing. Okay, I know some of you guys have, because I'm not the only one in this room with a hand up. It shouldn't be. How many of you guys have bought three or more? How many of you guys have had any of these things in your house? You still using it? Yes. <laughs> you still using it? Not me. There's always that thrill and that hope when it first arrives, but if you're like me, it eventually hits the dustbin or somewhere back in a closet, right? They promise so much. If I only had that, I'd have a better body, I'd have a better life, and I'm being told all the time, I deserve it. I deserve it, because I have a right. I have a right to be happy. That's what they keep telling me. And we buy it. Did you know that according to some guys who investigated this stuff, they found that 84% of us, 84% of us believe that enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. That's what you want more than anything else. Being happy is the highest goal in your life foundation of the American dream. And if you're not a Jesus follower, why not? Can you come up with a better one? I mean, why not pursue whatever's going to make your life easier, better, happier, right? But if you are a Jesus follower, is that the best you can come up with? And sometimes we morph it into something that is really quite sinister, we change it from I have a right to be happy to literally God wants me to be happy. And we use this line to justify some really, really bad stuff. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? That's why I'm getting a divorce, I'm not happy. God wants me to be happy. This is God wanting me to be happy. Yeah, I'm quitting my job. It's not making me happy. I know I've got a family to take care of, but God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? I tried church, but it wasn't making me any happier. Didn't work, right? So I quit. 
tried reading my Bible, praying, all that. God still didn't fix my problems. It just wasn't working for me. Wasn't making me happy, any happier. So let me throw it at you. Do you think God wants you to be happy? Maybe I should twist the question just a little bit, make it a little more accurate. Do you think that there are things that are way more important to God than your happiness? Hmm. Now we're kicking off a tiny little series this morning. We're going to call hashtag not my God. We're going to talk about some of the myths that some people put import into Christianity. Next week, my God will never give you more than you can handle. Ever heard that one? My God would never give you more than you can handle. By the way, spoiler, God never says that. Never promises that. Okay? Week three. My God wouldn't condemn a person who's trying to be spiritual. Right? If you're trying to be spiritual, God's going to honor that. Right? By the way, if you go to the scripture, you're going to have a hard time coming up with anything that's going to justify that. Week four. My God doesn't want you to judge. My God would never want you to judge. And Jesus did say something like that, but he didn't mean what most people think he meant. Cultural myths, misunderstandings of God, twistings of the real God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ whom we follow. And today we're going to tackle God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. And as with most great lies, there is a seed of truth here. For a lie to be effective, it's got to be really, really close to the truth. God does love it when you're happy. God loves his kids to laugh and to smile. But there are things way more important to our God than our happiness. And there are things way more important to us Jesus followers than being happy. In fact, did you know that there are times when God does not want you to be happy? I think the first time this became crystal clear to me is all the way back in seminary. That was a long time ago. Dr. Buford Bryant, who was a professor of New Testament, stood up to speak to us. Everybody listened when Dr. Buford Bryant spoke. And he was speaking in chapel. We were just a bunch of preacher wannabes listening to Dr. Bryant. And he stood up there and he looked us over and did something like this. Gentlemen, God did not call you to be happy. He called you to do a job. Get it done. Holy cow. Kind of rocked back in our seats. I have never, ever forgotten that moment because the more I have pondered it, the more I have come to the conclusion, I think it was right. I'm a Jesus follower. Following Jesus sometimes is hard. Following Jesus is sometimes not fun. Sometimes it doesn't make me happy. It's still right. There are times when God doesn't want you to be happy. Let let me give you three of them. God doesn't want you to be happy if trying the pursuit of happiness keeps you from doing the hard things, the right things. If you're thinking to yourself, it's not going to make me happy so you don't do it. Let me give you some illustrations. Guys, following Jesus isn't always fun. Sometimes following Jesus makes you look weird. People are going to think you're weird. That's not fun. Do it anyway. Sometimes being a Jesus follower is going to lead you to have some very tough conversations. Tough conversations aren't fun. Do it anyway. Sometimes God will send you places you don't want to go and he'll call you to do things that you don't want to do. 
not fun. Do it anyway. We're Jesus followers. He is God. Here's another time when God doesn't want you to be happy. God doesn't want you to be happy if it leads you to do something really, really, really stupid or anything that is sinful, right? Have you ever done something really, really, really stupid because you thought it'd be fun? Turns out it wasn't so smart afterwards and you paid for it. Got any scars? You've heard some of these things. In fact, I suspect some of these have been said by you. These are the last words of a redneck, right? About hold my beer and watch this. Ever said that one? I'm still here to tell the story. Or how about this one? Yeah, I'm sure the power's off, right? I've said that to myself and proved to be wrong. And I love saying that around our farm. We've got an electric fence around a couple of our fields for the cattle. And I love telling people, I'm, I'm sure the power's off. Go ahead. Go ahead. Work on it. Touch it. That's fun. I like that. Just grab it by the tail, right? It'll be fine. I'll bet you I, bet you I can jump it. Let's build a ramp. You ever said anything like that? Or just pour some gas on it. I've done that, all right? Really, really stupid, okay? Still here. Don't carry any scars, but I'm not sure why, all right? I'll bet you I can hit that trampoline from the deck. <laughs> now, I've never actually done that one, but I've done things similar to that, right? In fact, over time, I've convinced myself I am a redneck with a PhD, which means sometimes I have very little common sense, right? <laughs> Or this one, just reach into that hole. You might find some honey in there or something, right? Or something. God doesn't want you to be happy if it causes you to do something really, really stupid. But way more than that, God doesn't want you to be happy if it causes you to do something sinful. You think it's going to be happy, but it's sinful. We weren't happy, so we divorced. As if your marriage is about your happiness. Instead of a covenant, a promise that you made to God and to that person. He said, for better, for worse, which means you have to fight to work through the worst to get to the better. Or I took that job and I shoved it because it wasn't making me happy at all, even though I've got no job to replace it and I've got a family to take care of. Or I know we're not married, but it's just sex. Feels good, makes me happy. And I have needs and we are in love. In fact, in our minds, we're already married. God doesn't want you happy if it leads you into sin. Do you believe that? King Solomon was reputed to be the wisest man in his world, and here's how he put it. He said, there's a path before each person that seems right. It seems right, but it leads to death. Looks like it's going to make you happy, but it doesn't lead you where you think it's going to take you. All of us have explored some of those paths. God doesn't want you to be happy if it causes you to do something really stupid or anything that is sinful. Because there are things way more important to our God than our happiness. One more. God doesn't want you to be happy if your quest for happiness makes you obsess over things of this world. If you pursue things that are going to make you happy, you think, and it leads you to avoid pursuing God. You see, guys, bottom line, God created you with a hole inside of you. In fact, it's a chasm inside of you. It was put there by God. And you're looking for something that's going to fill that hole in your heart. You're looking for something that will give you meaning and purpose. You're looking for something that will give you contentment. You're looking for something that's going to give you peace and joy and happiness. 
That hole was made for God and nothing else can fill it. Anything else you try to fill that hole with will leave you feeling empty. You're going to come up empty and some of you guys have felt that emptiness. See, we try to fill that chasm in our heart with so much different stuff. Sometimes it's just stuff itself. Anything that is newer, faster, shinier, bigger. Sometimes we try to fill that hole in our heart, that quest for purpose, contentment, and all those things with some experience, maybe the perfect vacation, the adrenaline rush. We try to fill that chasm in our heart with some person, the perfect friend, the perfect mate, the perfect lover. Sometimes we even try to fill that hole in our heart by just stuffing ourselves into it. Perfect body, tuck it, lift it, puff it, smooth it, shave it, tone it, sculpt it, right? Better stuff, better experiences, better stuff, better relationships, better bodies, trying to fill that hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. You try to fill it with anything else and you're going to come up empty and some of you guys have felt that emptiness. We can't be happy until we put in there what God created it for, which is him. So, is it true? Does God want you happy? Well, yeah, of course he does. But not at all costs. That's not his highest priority for you. And if you act like it is, it will lead you to some very, very dishonoring, God-dishonoring places, right? Let me give you a couple. Here's where this will take you. We think sometimes if God wants me to be happy, then whatever makes me happy has got to be right. If it makes you happy, it's got to be a good thing, right? In fact, we even wrote a song about that. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, why the heck are you so sad? Little bit of editing. Catchy tune, catchy words. Stupid as all get out. Just because it makes you happy doesn't make it right. Do you believe that? Or how about this spinoff? God wants me to be happy, then if it's hard or uncomfortable, it mustn't be God's will. If I'm not going to like doing it, if it's going to make me unhappy, if it's going to be hard, it can't be God's will for me. Well, poppycock. In fact, Jesus promised us hard. Here's what Jesus said. He says, here on this earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Just following me is going to take you to some hard places. Because we live in a broken world, and living in a broken world is hard. And because... God calls us to be weird in this broken world, and being weird is hard. And God calls us to places where we don't want to go and to do things that we don't want to do. Sometimes doing the right thing is hard, but we still do it because it's right. Here's another God-dishonoring place that this myth can lead us to. Sometimes we think, if I believe that God wants me to be happy, I try to pursue stuff that I think is going to make me happy, and it's the wrong stuff. We start obsessing over. We start pursuing the wrong things. We start worshiping things like money and stuff and pleasure and power. They're the thing that's going to make my life rich. Pursuing those things become more important to us than pursuing our God. That's called idolatry. And it never satisfies. And here's the worst, I think. When we believe that God wants me to be happy, then we start acting like God exists to serve us. 
That's why God's there, is to make me happy. God works for me. Listen, guys. God does not exist to serve me. God does not exist to serve you. We exist to serve him. Do you believe that? See, if God's purpose is to make us happy, if that's his purpose, then we're reducing the creator of the universe, the Holy One, to a cosmic Coke machine. Put in your money, press the button, and God owes you something. Whatever you want. Went to church, put some money in the offering box, read my Bible, said the prayers, even did more good than bad, even helped a little old lady at the store with her groceries. When I got home, I didn't kick the God dog, right? Is God doing his part? Why won't he cure my cancer? Why won't he straighten out my kid? Why won't he fix my checkbook? Where's God? When's he going to show up? And here's the tragedy. This is what's awful, guys. Sometimes people walk away from God for the wrong reasons. Walk away from God because we misunderstand who he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to do. Some of you guys might be tempted to walk away from God for the wrong reasons because you think that your happiness ought to be his highest priority. I tried church. didn't make me happier. In fact, in some ways, it made my life harder. Well, yeah. Tried religion. I tried the God thing, praying, reading the Bible and all that. didn't work for me. It's not about what works for you. I even went to a life group for a while. Still got cancer. Kid's still a mess. Still can't pay the bills. Tried Jesus. Doesn't work. See, this myth, God wants you to be happy, is one of the reasons that people get so disappointed with God and so angry with God. One of the reasons so many Jesus followers don't taste joy. Our life with God is lifeless. It's a drudgery. It's something to be endured in the hopes that maybe after this life we'll finally experience what we want in heaven. And that nonsense is made worse by health wealth preachers who teach this stuff in God's name. God wants you happy. God wants you healthy. God wants you to take care of all of your needs. God's going to heal you. He wants you happy. They preach as they drive people away from the real God. Guys, God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And when we do, it's not always going to make us happy, but we're going to discover stuff that is way better than that. Way better than happiness. How would you like to live a life where you really felt that you had a purpose, a meaning? How would you like to live a life where you actually discovered what it meant to be content? Or how about peace? Peace with God, peace inside yourself. What about joy? Which is something that goes way deeper, way more powerful than happiness. So how do we get there? show you. You've probably heard of a guy named Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote a whole lot of the New Testament. You may not know that Jesus or that Paul started out as a Jesus hater. He was on a mission to stamp out us Jesus followers to eliminate Christianity. A very prominent Jew, a very religious man at war with people like us because he thought people like us were heretics. 
Paul is on his way to a place called Damascus. It's still there in Syria. He had warrants to arrest Christians like us. And he has an encounter with Jesus along the way. Now you got to understand, he has this encounter with Jesus after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Jesus is in heaven, right? Kind of like shines this spotlight on steroids on Paul while he's on the road, blinds him, kind of whispers to him, guess who, Paul? Guess where I am sitting right here next to the right hand of my father, your God. Guess that, what that means for your mission in life. Paul's mind is blown. I mean, how would you feel if you believed that you were serving God and then discovered that you were at war with the God that you thought that you loved? Can you imagine what it would feel like to discover that you are on the wrong side of God? Paul was an incredibly smart man. For three days, he's blind. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't eat anything because he's a smart man. And then God calls another Jesus follower by the name of Ananias to heal Paul and to baptize him, start him out on a life for the real God. But first of all, this is so weird, God says to Ananias, make sure you convey this, Paul is my chosen instrument, he's going to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as to the people of Israel, which is all cool, and then also tell him this, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, let me put it into context right? It's kind of like Paul is standing with Ananias there in that baptistry. And Ananias says, by the way, Paul, as soon as you're baptized, you're going to start out in a life in which you're going to experience hunger, thirst, beating, stoning, shipwrecks, arrest, and eventually they're going to take your head for what I'm going to do here today. Kaplunk, right? What do you think he's thinking under that water as he comes up sputtering and gagging a wee bit? Paul, God isn't here to serve you. Paul, you're here to serve God. So are you in? Are you? Are you in? I'm going to go to a verse that you've probably heard before, a verse that kind of corrects this myth that we've twisted our Christianity with, that God wants us to be happy. This was written by this apostle Paul, who has lived a really, really hard life as a servant of Jesus, a Jesus follower, Romans 8.28 says this, we know, we know that God causes everything. Everything means the stuff that is good and the stuff that is not good. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes for them. Have you heard that verse before? It's big. Let's read it one more time. We know, I've seen it in my own life, Paul says. We know that God causes everything, good things and bad things, to work together for the good of those who love God. Have you ever experienced that? And those who are called according to his purposes for them. Let me show you what it means. There's a couple of implications of that verse that are very important to us. It means, number one, it means that we're going to have good things and bad things in our lives. We're going to have the same kind of troubles as everybody else in this broken world. That's going to be our reality. The things that God is working together for the good of us and others aren't always good things. 
It means we're going to have the same kind of accidents. We're going to have the same kind of diseases as everybody else. It means we're going to have the same kind of messed up kids and messed up marriages and messed up friendships as everybody else. It means we're going to have money problems and job issues like everything else. Do you know why? Because we're still sinners. And we're still doing life with sinners. And because sin messes people up, even us Jesus followers... In fact, it means that sometimes we Jesus followers are going to have problems they don't have because we're Jesus followers, because we're different. We're going to look weird, and our world mocks weird. That verse tells us that God is not going to eliminate anything in your life that makes you unhappy. He's going to use them. We Jesus followers are going to have the same kind of troubles as everybody else in this broken world, and even more. But it also means this, number two, it means that God is bigger than our problems. It means God is bigger than our problems. Your issues, your problems are not going to foil God or befuddle God or thwart God. He's God. God doesn't usually choose to eliminate our problems the way we want him to. He is smarter than that, and we still live in this broken world. But your problems are never going to render your God powerless. Number three. It means that when you see tough things in your life actually working for good, that was God. That was the grace of God. That was the power of God. You see, normal is broken, and broken things normally get more broken. We live in a broken, fallen, decaying world. The natural direction of things is to get more broken, except when God is there, working in the messes, building things that are beautiful and strong and purposeful and better. Guys, I've had really bad things happen in my life. Sometimes things that I have done. Bad things that I have done. Sometimes just bad things happen in my life. Sometimes if you're not careful, you'll fall off something that's high and you get hurt. Sometimes people did bad things to me. God doesn't cause those bad things to happen. But he uses them to shape us, to morph us, to bless us and to bless someone else through us. We know, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him, even the bad stuff. Normal is broken. Normal is for the broken to get more broken. If it works the other way, you're looking at the hand of God, you're looking at the grace of God. I have seen the grace of God. Have you? One more. This is so big. This is so important. You got to hear this. Just because God uses the bad things that happen in your life doesn't mean he causes them. God doesn't cause evil. God never causes evil. He just doesn't render him powerless. That's really important. Some of you guys need to hear that. Right before Jesus' own death and resurrection, he stands before the tomb of a guy named Lazarus, a very close friend of his. And here's what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, listen, guys, why are you crying? There's no harm, no foul here. Dry your tears. God's just giving me a chance to show you what I can do. No, it says the first thing Jesus did when he saw their tears is he got mad, which is weird, isn't it? A deep anger welled up inside of him. Then it says Jesus wept, cried. Do you know that Jesus weeps when he sees 
suffering and pain and death because it was not his intent. He weeps when he sees your loneliness, your fear, and your emptiness because it was not his intent. He hates all of the brokenness that sin has unleashed on his kids in this world and someday he's going to fix it all. Every bit of it. For now, you hang on to this promise. God can take those bad things and still figure out a way to bless you and to bless others through you if you let him. Because God is that smart and God is that good. He's God. Tim Keller, I don't know if you've ever heard his name. Tim Keller's a great preacher up in New York. He's one of my heroes. I'm going to wrap this up this morning by doing stuff I don't usually do. I'm just going to read a few things from a devotional that he wrote on this stuff. You need to hear it. So do I. Here's what he says. Is God committed to your happiness? Of course he is. And yet, if you come to God to make you happy, you're coming to a false God. That's interesting. If you say, well, I'm interested in this Christianity and maybe I'll come and bite on it to see if it'll help me reach my goals and make me happy, you're not coming to God, you're coming to a butler. He says, either God exists or he doesn't, right? Two options, either he's there or he's not. If he doesn't exist, you can't come to him for happiness, that's silly. But if he is God and he's really there, if he does exist, you have to realize that you must come to him because he created you and therefore God owns you. I know that's offensive to some of us, but it's true. And then Keller says, the only way to come to God rightly, the real God, is to come without any conditions. And to say, forget happiness. God, I owe you everything. I owe you everything. He says, there's only two ways to come to God. You can come to God saying, I owe you everything. You owe me nothing, which is reality. Or you can come to God saying, I'm going to come to you, but then you owe me. I'm coming to you, but I've got an agenda for you, God. Come on. There are things I need you to do. See, there's way too many of us who come to God thinking we're doing God a favor by accepting his gift of forgiveness and the eternal life that goes with that. We come with a spirit that kind of says, God, (laughs) I'm giving myself to you. Aren't you lucky? You got me now on your side. Too many come to God wanting to stay on the throne of their lives. We call Jesus our Lord our owner, our master, we're Jesus' followers, which means it isn't about God serving us. It's about our commitment to serve the real, good God. Keller puts it like this. He says, some come to God really saying, my number one priority is happiness. That's what I really want. And I'm using you, God, as a way to get there. Instead of coming to God saying, my number one priority is to serve you, God. And if you grant me with some happiness, that is so cool. And if not, you're still good. You're still my God. Now here's the irony. This is the twist. You gotta hear this. 
He says, the less you're concerned about your happiness, the less that becomes the goal of your life, and the more you're concerned about God and serving him, the happier you're going to discover yourself to be. Real happiness comes from serving him, not from pursuing you. It's God's truth. It really is. And that's the difference between the fool's gold that the world wants you to think will bring you happiness and the real thing that comes only as a byproduct from serving the real king. God wants you happy? Of course he does. He's a good God. Are there things he wants more than that for you? Absolutely. He wants you to discover a life with purpose, a life with meaning. He wants you to learn how to be content. If you're not content, no stuff can make you happy. He wants you to learn peace, to have peace with him, to have peace inside of yourself. He wants you to taste joy. Joy is way richer and way deeper than happiness. And he wants you to be happy. But you're not going to find it by pursuing it. You're going to find it by pursuing him. You believe that? Guys, there are some of you guys that haven't started down this path yet, right? You're not a Jesus follower yet, and you need to get there. In this next little bit, as we're singing this song, and if God is biting on your heart, and you need to have a conversation about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to hang down here. Some of our elders and staff are close. We'd love to pray with you, get you started on that path with God. Maybe that you just realize that you've been a little self-centered in your faith. You think this thing is about you, and because of that, you're disappointed with God. You don't realize that fullness, contentment comes from putting him first, not yourself. Maybe this is the time to get right with God, to have that prayer and put things back into place. And if you just need some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to join the church family, we'd love to talk to you. During these next couple of songs, if you want to come down here, if you want to wait till right after the service, I'm going to hang around here. We'd love to talk to you. Let's pray together. Father, give us the wisdom to be people of God. Give us the wisdom to put you first in everything. It's not about you serving us. It's about our serving you. That's the core of a great life. That's a core of peace and contentment. It's even a path, unlikely as it seems, to genuine happiness. Help us to be servants of God. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.